0: Welcome to Energy Talks, a regular podcast series with expert discussions on power system testing topics. My name is Scott Williams from the podcast team at Omicron, and I will be your host. Hello, everyone. In this episode, we will talk about earthing systems, also known in some regions of the world as grounding systems, and how regular testing can ensure the safe and reliable operation of electrical power systems. For example, what role do earthing or grounding systems play in the power system, when and why is testing important, and which tests are performed? With me to discuss this topic and to offer us some tips and insights into earthing or grounding system testing is Joseph Schmidt-Bauer. He is an Omicron product manager and expert in this field. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to Energy Talks. Hi, Scott. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to have you. Joseph, for starters, I have heard references to both earthing systems and grounding systems. Is there a difference? And if so, when do you use one term over the other?
1: That's actually a good question. So, the term earthing system is widely used in the English-speaking world, except for the United States, where grounding is the more common term. So, both means, in most cases, the same. And um, the difference between the U.S. and the other English-speaking world is also the reason why the IEEE is using the term grounding, whereas the IEC is using the term earthing instead. And this leads sometimes to confusions. Uh, especially especially if you use abbreviations, for example, like GPR for the ground potential rise or EPR for the earth potential rise. But actually, both means the same. And at Omicron, we decided to use the term grounding in our English documents.
0: Okay, that explains that. Thank you. Could you please describe what an earthing or grounding system is? For example, what does it consist of? Why is it important? And what role does it play in the power system?
1: Yeah. An earthing system has two main functions. First, it's responsible to reliably carry uh, electrical currents into the earth. And such currents can flow during the normal operation of a system, for example, from the neutral point of a transformer. But they also will flow in case of a fault of a power electrical system. And in this case, such currents can become very, very high, often in the range of 10 kiloamps and more. And a grounding system must be able to handle such high currents without exceeding any operational or equipment limits. And then there's a second reason, and this is a second function, and this is to, um, it is responsible to limit the maximum step-and-touch voltages and reducing the risk of a critical electrical shock. And this is important uh, in the system, but also in the direct surroundings of the system. So, for example, on fences or, or street lights or other connected structures. And depending um, on the structure of the soil um, uh, yeah. below a power electrical system, like a substation or a power plant or maybe a transmission tower, uh, different grounding elements are used. So often ground rods made of copper or steel are used and they reach into a greater depth and they are useful. For example, if the conductivity of the lower soil layers is better than the conductivity directly beneath the surface. And uh, also ground strips are very common. They are usually used close to the surface of the soil and they are better if the conductivity on the upper layer is better than on the lower one. And if you have very large grounding systems, then a ground grid is used. The ground grid usually consists of interconnected grounding strips and uh, form some case case of lattice and uh, directly below the, the substation, for example.
0: Okay. What surrounding factors can negatively influence earthing or grounding systems?
1: Yeah, the first factor is the humidity of the soil. So um, this has a very major impact on the grounding system. So the higher the humidity, the better the conductivity of the soil. And therefore, usually soil resistivity is measured before you start with the construction of a new power electrical system. Mm -hmm. So uh, actually not even before the construction, but even before planning it. So there are different methods to determine the soil resistivity. The most common uh, ones in in the electrical uh, industry are the Wenner and the Schlumberger method. And uh, in both methods, you're using four ground rods in a different distance and then calculate the soil resistivity. And usually you perform a set of measurements with different distances between the electrodes and... uh, the bigger the distance, uh, the higher the depth you can measure. And by combining all this data, you can use specialized software packages to calculate a soil layer model. Mm-hmm. Based on this soil layer model, you can design an optimal grounding system which fulfills all your technical and safety requirements. And this is the, the first point. And then after the erection of the power electrical system, the corrosion is a major factor because um, yeah, all your metallic constructions are in the soil and um, depending on the type of material used if you, have, if you use copper or stainless steel or for example zinc plated steel and depending on the corrosiveness of the soil um, yeah they will be affected so the, the the resistance is getting higher over the years and the ability to carry this fault current into the soil Will um, getting uh, worse over time. Usually, in most cases, the corrosiveness of the soil is is higher if the soil is very wet, because then you have higher corrosion effects. If it is very dry, then it is uh, less um, drastic. And um, for example, as rule of thumb, we have one of our customers which is calculating with one percent corrosion per year. So after 50 years, uh, he uses the as, as using this rule of thumb, after 15 years, you have about 50% of the effectivity uh, of the new system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another point uh, for such a surrounding factor is also the mechanical stability of the joints. So all your grounding rods and your uh, grounding strips and the grounding grid are connected together with joints, and they need to be mechanically stable because we have very high uh, fault currents, as mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So you should also check the continuity of this connection. You can do this with a visual inspection or even better with a micro measurement. So with the micro measurement, you get uh, a very reliable result for this. And there are also other external factors, uh, which are often not taken into consideration, but are worth to mention. Here, for example, the impact on the step-and-touch voltages, uh, which occur in and around the system. So these step-and-touch voltages are proportional to the actual fault current, or Mm -hmm. to the operating uh, current, and uh, to both. And the ground system must be designed in a way so that the uh, permissive step-and-touch voltages are not exceeded, even if the maximum fault current flowed. However, what's important to mention is that this maximum fault current, of course, can change over the lifetime of a grounding system. So if you have a substation, it it is there for a longer time, for most, in most cases, for 50 years or longer. So for example, if you change your network configuration, you have, have, if you have more lines in parallel, or if you change the neutral point handling of your transformer, um, this may have a major impact on the maximum fault currents. Also, with the increasing number of of renewable, distributed renewable energy systems, um, you have, in the worst case, in many cases, a higher fault current. And often the original grounding system was not designed for such high fault currents. So that's also something you have to consider. And not only the fault current, but also the uh, fault clearance time because the maximum permissive step-and-touch voltages depends on the level of the voltage and on, on the time of the impact uh, to your body. And this fault clearance time um, is usually influenced a lot by the trip time of the protection relays. So mm-hmm. As soon as the, drip, uh, the circuit breaker will drip and the fault will be cleared. And this is especially important if you're using selective tripping schemes in your, for example, distribution grid. And if you start to change your tripping scheme, and then the trip change times will change, and also the maximum permissive uh, step and touch voltages will change. So it's also, if you change this, it's yeah. good to keep in mind that you maybe, you, you should recheck your grounding system calculations.
0: Joseph, what can go wrong when the earthing or grounding system is not working properly?
1: As I just mentioned, the most important uh, risk is, of course, the, the the harm to a person. So the risk of a critical electrical shock. And if the system is not working, these step-and-touch voltages in case of a fault, or maybe in very extreme cases, even during the normal operation, they can uh, succeed the permissive levels. And then you have a very high risk uh, of a a shock, for example, if you touch a conductive part like a fence or a gate or some metal constructions nearby uh, the electrical system. And if you touch them, then a a current will flow via your body and can cause severe injuries to your body, for example ventricular fibrillation and this can even be lethal so you have to be very careful that all the stop and touch voltages are below the permissive limits
0: okay just out of curiosity this of course affects the area in and around the substation but also outside of if there if there are surrounding homes for example they could also experience shocks
1: that that could happen because they are often connected. If you, if you have a substation from medium voltage, for example, to low voltage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, then the homes are connected via the pro- protective earth connector to your substation. Mm-hmm. And this is called transferred potential. So if you have a fault in your substation and you have a ground potential rise or earth potential rise in your substation, also, the connected other grounding systems via the protective earths connector will have a higher potential. And this can cause critical step-and-touch voltages, especially touch voltages in these um, other grounding systems, which are connected. Yes. And, and this is very important because usually, if you are a utility and you design a substation, you usually take a lot of care and design your substation in a safe way. But if then there's a connector construction via protective earth or another connector, uh, usually you have no 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 influence how they design the grounding system. And if it is not properly designed, that can be risky because there can be very high voltages. So uh, in the ideal case, they would contact you before the erection of a house next to such a system. Mm-hmm. And, and you can coordinate with them and find a solution which will work out.
0: Okay. Joseph, you've answered this in many ways already. How does testing ensure the overall safety and reliability of an earthing or grounding system?
1: Testing is, as you mentioned, very important uh, to ensure the safety and reliability. So it starts after the erection of the system, if you have a newly built system. Um, you usually would like to test the ground resistance or ground impedance mm-hmm. or a measurement um, to check if it uh, matches with your um, target values. So during the design, you design the system for a special, for a certain value, and then you check if your build system matches these values. And uh, then you can be sure that it should work as expected. In addition, you can measure also the step-and-touch voltages. That depends a bit on the applicable standards. But um, you inject then a fault current, uh, or actually in a fault current, a test current, a small one, and measure on, on special places the step-and-touch voltages, uh, usually on very exposed locations like gates or fences or or metallic constructions in the substation. Mm-hmm. And then you can check if all these values are below the permissive limits. And over the lifetime of the system, you should check uh, the ground resistance or ground impedance periodically to check if uh, your grounding system is subject to corrosion and if it is still able uh, to fulfill the requirements.
0: Okay. You mentioned periodically. Um, how often do you mean?
1: Uh, that depends, uh, on the region where you are. So, uh, the relevant standards usually mention only periodic checks, but no concrete time interval. So in some countries, there are regulations about the uh, regulations about the periodic tests. For example, in Germany, there is a regulation that states if you test at least every four years, then you fulfill uh, your duties, so you 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 uh, show that your system is safe. Uh, the standard also allows you to test less often, but you need to have a good reason for it. So okay. um, that's not required. But in general, worldwide, I would say intervals from 5 to 10 years are common for the actual measurement. And uh, you can also use some kind of two-level approach where you check more often with a visual inspection, which is not very uh, time consuming, Mm -hmm. and less frequently with measurements, depending on the situation.
0: Okay. Has earthing or grounding system testing grown in importance over the years? And if so, why?
1: Yes, uh, it has a growing importance because nowadays more electronic assets are used in substations. For example, if you uh, or if you're testing secondary distribution substations, mm-hmm. in the past, there were only transformer in fuses. But in the meantime, you often have electronic components like protection relays, communication equipments, fault uh, indicators, and so on. And they often have connections to other systems via communication lines, and there can be transferred potentials from other systems. So it's important that your grounding system works very well to protect these assets because you would like, in case of a fault, you would like to get this information for the substation. So you rely on these devices, so you should also check that your grounding system is reliable in this respect. Uh, You have now higher fault currents in many cases due to the increasing usage of renewable energy, for example. Um, And if you have this higher fault currents, Often the grounding systems uh, were not designed for this high fault currents. So it's a good opportunity to check if it changed in your distribution network and maybe retest your stations, uh, reevaluate the old measurements and check if the higher fault currents can be a problem or not.
0: Okay. So you have mentioned the various tests before, but can we… Do an overview one more time for our listeners again what types of equipment need to be tested in a grounding or earthing system which tests are performed and what do they tell us about the reliability and safety of earthing or grounding systems
1: so actually you need to test all the grounding systems so this can be substations from a distribution substation uh, transmission substation, but even small secondary distribution substations. Mm-hmm. This can be also a power plant um, or a renewable energy systems like a, a solar uh, power plant that can be very small, or it can be even a transmission tower, which is grounded. Mm-hmm. And there are different tests which are performed. Uh, usually, I mentioned before, before the erection, you can perform a soil resistivity test to Mm get the properties of the soil. Then after the erection uh, of the system, you usually perform a ground resistance or ground impedance test. So you measure the impedance from your grounding system to the soil. Mm -hmm. And uh, this impedance also influences the the level of the step-and-touch voltages. So the higher this impedance, the higher usually your step-and-touch voltages are. And this can be tested with this uh, ground potential rise test, for example, uh, where you inject a test current via a current probe, uh, which should be about five times the diameter of the grounding system away. And Mm -hmm. you check the small test current, and then you measure the impact of this test current to your grounding system. Okay. And uh, based on this voltage measurement, you calculate then um, the ground impedance. There are also other tests, for example, the step touch voltage test. You usually perform this in addition to the ground impedance testing. So you also inject the test current here with this auxiliary current probe. And uh, then you measure on certain places like fences or, or gates or, or uh, metallic constructions inside the substation. Mm-hmm. Um, the touch voltage, for example, a second electrode you use, for example, a grounding rod according to the U.S. standard or a, a foot plate with 20 times 20 centimeters in one meter distance. And this simulates a, a touch by a person, and then you measure the, the voltage and calculate then the voltage which would have been there with the real fault current.
0: Now, you had mentioned prior how often tests should be performed and that that varies from region to region or depending upon, for example, any changes that have occurred within a specific period of time at a substation. But in general, when you're performing these tests, how long do they take?
1: So this depends on the test, for example, the, the ground impedance test. The most time-consuming uh, part is to put the auxiliary current probe into the soil in a distance of about five times the diameter, and then you have to connect the wire to this auxiliary current probe. And this can be very cumbersome if you're in a densely populated area. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a free field, then usually you need, let's say, half an hour or so. But this can go up to several hours on big systems. We also have a very nice alternative to this test. With our test set CPC100, we can use a de-energized power line to inject this fault current via a remote substation. And this solves two two problems. The first one is that the the bigger the distance, the better. And with this remote substation, you have a very big distance. And on the other hand, uh, it's often much easier to use the de-energized power line than to um, use kilometers of cables, or miles of cables uh, through your densely populated area.
0: Now, speaking again to differences uh, from region to region, are there any specific standards that define how these tests are performed? Uh, And if so, what are they, and why are such standards important?
1: Yes, of course, there are many standards for these tests. But in principle, there are two groups of standards. So on the one side, the low voltage standards, they're usually for system voltages below 1000 volt. And on the other hand, the high voltage standards for voltages above this level. And for low voltages, uh, low voltage systems, the measurements are described in the IEC standard uh, or the standard series 61557. Mm -hmm. And um but for for uh, substations power plants transmission towers and so on the highest voltage in the system is usually above one thousand volt so for us usually the high voltage standard supplies-
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the most relevant uh, most relevant ones to mention are the IEEE standard eighty one- mm-hmm. and the european standard fifty five two two And there are next to these two standards, there are also domain-specific standards, for example, for railway applications. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, uh, the countries uh, harmonize the local standards with the European standards. For example, the British standard 5522 is mostly identical to the European standard with some uh, minor uh, additions. Also, the German standard, the DIN VDE 101-2, uh, or the Austrian standard, uh, ÖNORM uh, ÖVE E 8383. And there are many more, and all of them they are based on the European standards with minor national adaptations.
0: Okay. With your experience in this area, what tips do you have for our listeners? What can they do to make earthing or grounding system testing more efficient?
1: If you would like to test very efficiently, you can, for example, use a two-level approach. So you can do visual inspections as part of your regular checks and then perform measurements uh, less often. For example, you can also check uh, how the measurements are changing over time. Mm -hmm. So in certain places, the changes are very low because you have a low corrosive soil. In other places, there are... uh, higher. And uh, I would, of course, uh, um, focus on the places where you have a higher corrosion to perform the checks. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And during these maintenance checks, you can also check uh, for changing or changes in the direct surroundings of the substations. Um, For example, um, we found uh, some uh, changes uh, like a new metal fence around the playground of a kindergarten directly next to a distribution substation uh, in Germany. And uh, actually, it was a small secondary distribution substation mm-hmm. and they connected the, or the, the build up the, this metal fence till the wall of the secondary uh, distribution substation and connected it even with the metal construction. So you could assume that you can have a kind of uh, of transferred potential there. So if you have the fault in this small distribution substation, it's usually no problem for the substation itself. But due to the transferred potential, it can be a problem on the kindergarten. So you should check also the step and touch voltages there. So it's always a good thing to check uh, or to, to, to keep your eyes open if there are some changes next to the grounding systems. Uh, and if there are some changes, you should contact this, uh, the owner of, of these constructions or so and check if you can measure their touch and step voltages. Okay. Um, that's maybe uh, something you can use. Another, another tip could be uh, to use our CPC100 test set if you are in a densely populated area. Uh, because in densely populated areas, as mentioned before, it's often hard to get outside of this this zone of influence so that you have a sufficient distance uh, to test your grounding system. So mm-hmm. usually you need five times the diameter of the grounding systems, and it's always a bit of cumbersome. And with the or a bit cumbersome. And with the CB1 and the CU1, which are accessories to the cpc 100 You Mm -hmm. can use a de-energized power line to inject this current. This can be an underground cable in case of a small distribution substation, um, or this can be also an overhead transmission line. And this can help you in many cases,
0: yeah. Okay. How long has Omicron been involved in testing earthing or grounding systems? And you mentioned a number of solutions uh, from Omicron for this. Already, maybe you can summarize again what these solutions are.
1: Yeah, uh, I just mentioned the CPC-100, and the CPC-100 is our our universal primary test set. We started with uh, grounding system testing with CPC-100 more than 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. almost 20 years. And the CPC-100 is a very universal test set. You can perform a lot of different tests with it from instrument transformers, via transformer tests, uh All kind of primary injection and also advanced tests like ten uh, with accessories like ten delta measurements and so on mm-hmm. uh, but for the grounding systems, the main advantage of the c p c one hundred is the very, very high output power if you compare it to to test sets for low voltage systems so um and this high output power allows you to inject this test current even via an overhead line, as I mentioned or via an underground cable. Because you have then a certain um, capacitance of the cable or you have, uh, if you have a long cable, you have a a coupling between uh, a capacity between the cable and the ground or between the overhead line and the ground. And you need a lot of power to inject then this uh, test current and CPC 100 can do this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as mentioned, this can help you in many cases. And then in 2017, we launched our new battery-powered test set, Compano 100. Mm-hmm. On, like CPC 100, Compano 100 is a multifunctional test set, and it was also designed for all kind of basic checks in power electrical systems, like simple protection tests, uh, checks or instrument transformer checks, and so on. Mm-hmm. And Soon we got the feedback that such a battery power test set would be also very useful for grounding system checks, especially as it has a battery uh, and it still, it has a higher output power than many of the small uh, grounding system test sets. So for this reason, we implemented this functionality with one of the first software upgrades of Compano and Mm -hmm. now have dedicated application modules. And as it is newer, then the CPC, we also tried to, to incorporate a lot of customer feedback um, about this application and to simplify the, the, the workflow with this device. And okay. these are the two devices for the injection. Mm-hmm. And then we have also our, 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 our very nice device, which is the HTD1. This mm-hmm. is a handheld uh, frequency selective uh, multimeter. hmm and this allows to measure with a very low uh, test current by injecting it into the grounding system with a certain frequency, like 30 or 70 hertz, or, or 40 or 80 hertz in the US, in, uh, in 60 hertz systems. And uh, you then see this frequency on the on the on the spectrum, uh, on the, on the Spectrum analyzer screen, let's say, of the hdd one, and you see exactly if you have your test frequency there or not. And depending on the amplitude of this, um, um, of this voltage, you can then calculate uh, which uh, touch voltage. Uh, uh, would be there with with the real fault current, uh, mm-hmm. and this gives you a lot of uh, additional evidence that your grounding system can be considered safe. And the HD one is small and it's portable, it's handheld, and you even see your fifty or sixty hertz component of the system, so you mm-hmm. can also see the the regular operating current in the system. You can store the results on the h t. d one on a on the internal memory and then transfer it to your p c and generate the report and There's no wire connection between the h t. d one and the test set and this gives you a lot of freedom so you can freely move around your 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 substation or or in the in the in the surroundings of your substation and um we even have an, an, an addition to it, which is the primary test manager support for htd one mm-hmm. So if you want, you can also use a tablet PC, run the primary test manager and connect it to the HTT-1. And then um, the primary test manager can use the GPS, uh the global positioning system data from the tablet or from, from a mobile phone. Uh, to record even the location within your substation so then if you test your touch voltage you get your the amplitude of your touch voltage and also mm-hmm. the location in the substation you also could upload uh cards or, or floor maps of the substation and this saves you a lot of time because after the measurement you could immediately cre- create the reports and you have uh, you need not uh, a lot of post processing time and that's especially useful if you test large grounding systems or if you're a service provider and uh, you're testing a lot of grounding systems.
0: Okay, interesting. And we had talked about making grounding or earthing system testing more efficient. And, of course, um, uh, a powerful software behind that is is key to that, especially where you can organize the data and even compare measurement results over time to see... If any significant changes are occurring,
1: yeah, that's also the advantage of PTM. Then you have all your measurements uh, already stored in the database, and you can compare it over the different years and see how it changed over the or how it changed over the year and and perform then uh, maybe tests more often or less often depending on the results.
0: Okay, and you mentioned that uh, the two key um, solutions for earthing and grounding testing are um the cpc 100 and the campano 100 both of which are multifunctional testing devices meaning you can perform other tests in the substation uh with it which is also uh, a benefit for 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 example a a company just starting out doing um a a service provider for example Uh, they can uh, continue to grow their portfolio of measurements that they're offering their customers including grounding and earthing system testing yes That's that's a big advantage.
1: Um, For example, um, both devices, the CPC 100 and the Compano 100, are also capable of performing micro measurements with very high uh, accuracy. Mm -hmm. It's very useful uh, also for the grounding system measurements. For example, if you check your joints and, and your connections between the different parts of your grounding system, Mm-hmm. You can inject the test current, measure the microme resistance and see if they are still in a good condition. And uh with Compano, we can test it up to 100 amps, which uh, already delivers quite good results. But with the CPC, we can even go further because the test current is so high that you see even the effects of uh, even some thermal effects. Because if you have a very poor connection on your joint, the several hundred amps output power of a CPC 100 can increase the temperature on this poor joint, and you see the thermal effects too. So this can also help to ensure the safety. And okay. such micro measurements can be also used for a lot of other things, for, for example, checking the bus bar resistance, checking circuit breakers uh contact resistance and then as mentioned before you can also check instrument transformer with both devices you can also check transformers with the cpc 100 or a large uh, um or, or other assets yeah so there are a lot of different possibilities
0: joseph where can our listeners get more information about earthing or grounding system testing at omicron
1: yeah, the, the first point would be, of course, our homepage. So if you go to our homepage, uh, omicronenergy.com, you can uh, look for the application page grounding system testing. And there you can find our grounding system testing brochure, but also links to other product pages like the CPC-100, the HDD1 or, or the Combano-100. And uh, we recently launched also two new application videos. hmm uh, one about grounding system testing with the CPC-100, and one about testing uh, grounding systems in medium-voltage distribution substations, mm-hmm. um, which contains also a lot of background information, and both can be found on our YouTube channel. Also, the Omicron Academy can perform grounding system trainings, usually they do it on request by the customers, and then mm-hmm. can also customize the training to the customers'
0: need. Interesting. Okay. And, um,
1: maybe last thing to mention is that is there is a very interesting podcast. Our episode our,
0: number three.
1: Yeah. Episode number three. I guess it was a Gustav Lindquist, one Definitely. of the customers in Sweden. And he's using the CPC 100 for grounding system tests, but also the Compano 100. And I guess he's using it, uh, in Sweden, in the, in the, in the back country and.
0: Yeah, in that episode, um, he talks about how he really started his business going to uh, remote locations to perform grounding and earthing uh, system testing, um, literally carrying uh, his equipment uh, in a backpack. So the portability of both devices was really beneficial for that.
1: Yeah, I I really like this podcast episode.
0: It's a very personal story about, uh, yeah, how we perform those measurements really on foot.
1: Yeah, as product manager, you are always happy if you see that customers are happy with your device.
0: Well, Joseph, thank you very much for joining me for this episode of Energy Talks and also for sharing your knowledge about earthing or grounding systems and uh, testing recommendations for them.
1: So thanks a lot, uh, Scott, for the invitation and for the nice interview.
0: It was great. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. And a big thank you to our audience for listening to this episode of Energy Talks. We always welcome your questions and feedback. Simply send us an email to podcast at omicronenergy.com. Omicron has several years of experience in power system testing, including the testing of earthing or grounding systems, and it offers you the matching solution for your application. For more information, be sure to visit our website at omicronenergy.com there you can find more information about the training courses and webinars offered by Omicron Academy simply look under training. Please join us to listen to the next episode of Energy Talks goodbye for now everyone